Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. All right, Brad. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. All right, Evan. Happy Sunday. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Mm. Mm. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. One of your eyes is falling out of your head. How are you good? Well, I mean, other than that, that's a late breaking development <laughs> as of 30 seconds ago. My dog is going through like that shed when there's a big heat wave, but inside is air conditioned. So their bodies just get confused and just expel their undercoat. Yeah. But it only lasts like eight months. So it should clear Ugh, soon. Yeah, it's great. I love yeah. it so much. Welcome to the Wing Wheel Podcast. Uh, lots to talk about in the world of hockey. Some stuff with the Red Wings. I'm sure we're going to have a healthy fight soon and uh, everything else. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, uh, like I mentioned, there is some Red Wings news, um, a, an AHL signing that might be of interest to people, some more clarification on Sebastian Kosa, uh, some fun news for Mickey Redmond, celebration of uh, his career's work, um, and then Jeff Petrie's name unexpectedly came up in uh, trade rumors. So he has been linked to the Red Wings. So we will talk about the virtues or lack thereof of trading for Jeff Petrie and his contract from the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to be doing a prospect profile that needs to be revisited because we talked about this player early on. And as we've kind of, we're getting really close to the draft here, we need to kind of um, see where people sit on him. So that's, uh, he'll, he's a very popular player, Brad Lambert, uh, among some and, and not so much on others. So we'll see where we all land. And then uh, we'll get to some NHL news, including the cup finals, Colorado involved in another 7 nothing game, this time on the other end of it. I bet they feel happy. And uh, everything else going on there. We'll take a look at some FanDuel odds and then we will get started. Before we do that, I want to let you know that Tuesday, the Calder Trophy will be announced, which means a lot of Wings money on the board. Donations will be uh, triggered, which means we will hopefully hit our $30,000 stretch goal for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. So if you are interested, check out the Wings Money on the Board post on wingedwheelpodcast.com slash blog to find out how you can join in the fun. And uh, after the after the Calder Trophy is announced and those donations are made, we'll start to look at the, um, the awards and giveaways and things for the season-long campaign. So thank you to all of you who have already donated, uh, to our good friend Prashanth Iyer for uh, running Wings Money on the Board with us this season. And uh, let's see if we can hit that hit that stretch goal. Okay. Sebastian Kosa. Uh, I got a question about Sebastian Kosa after we talked about him uh, last episode. You have a question or you received one I rec- from someone? I received a question from someone. Okay. And uh, we were talking about Sebastian Kosa and whether he'd go to the AHL next season. And they said, you guys are speaking so confidently, um, but per the AHL, CHL rules, I don't really see how he would fit, uh, how he would be eligible because you'd either need to play four seasons or be 20 years old. And I stupidly had not had a coffee yet. And it was really dumb because we had this conversation in the group chat a long time ago. And I said, it was like, oh, it's because he played four seasons in the CHL and that's why he's eligible. He hasn't. It's three. Um, What it is, is if you are 20 years old in your at any point in the year where you'd be starting in the AHL, you're eligible. So he turns 20 in November of this year. So he could technically go play in the AHL. So it's not a guarantee. He could go back to the CHL. 
Yeah, he was a late birthday when the Red Wings drafted him, I believe. So. Yeah. So uh, that is how Sebastian Kosa is eligible. So in case any of you are wondering, that's if they do choose to send him there, then that's why. Or they can just loan him back to the WHL and that whole business. Mickey Redmond. Open a ginger ale inducted into the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame. I was surprised it hadn't happened yet. I honestly would have assumed it already. Yeah, that, I thought so too. <laughs> yeah, that was my first thought when I saw that. I'm like, wait, now? I know. Yeah. Uh, someone was like, if you had the flannels out, this would have been a great time. And trust me, I want to. It's <laughs> you know, shipping and borders and customs and sourcing and production errors and getting them reproduced. It's in the process. Most of them, like 90% of them are in my house right now. You guys, have, have you seen all those boxes? No. Oh, well, they're there. I could be lying to you. Okay. And uh, Kirill, the thrill, the real Kirill, the thrill, Tutaev has uh, signed a one-year AHL deal with the Grand Rapids Griffins. So for those of you who have been wondering uh, what the deal is with uh, Kirill, um, he is coming back. So you'll see him on the Griffins, and hopefully he does well and can avoid injury and kind of stay on track over there. Hopefully he can stay healthy, step one. That's the biggest thing. Like, skill isn't really a question, but... If you can't stay healthy, then that's different. So hopefully he can stay healthy and at the very least be a a fun watch for the Griffins. Okay. Jeff Petrie. And can I tell a quick story about this? Is it about his dad playing for the Tigers? No. Then yes, you can. We'll get to that. Um, You guys are are jerks for making, for not uh, breaking the ice on this. You're going to make me seem like a self-important asshole here, but over the weekend uh my better half mel was stupid enough to agree to marry me and in the build-up to that entire process like the whole day everything around that where obviously you're just like dialed in and making sure that you get the right words out of your mouth in the right order and trying not to spoil a surprise even though she's way smarter than me and and caught on um i was one thousand percent certain that Steve Eisman was going to announce the coach during that time. Like I would, have, <laughs> I would have absolutely put money down on it. I was like, Oh my God, you just know. And like, that's that, right. If that happens, I'm not like, that's not for me. I can't cover it. It's just how it's going to shake out. And uh, I look at my phone like three hours later and I see you tweet something and we like a bunch of mentions on the podcast account. And I went, Oh my God, Steve, <laughs> But it turned out to be the uh, the Jeff Petrie thing. So thankfully, it was just a, just a little trade rumor, one that I was happy to see float by. But um, for uh, any of our friends over at the Red Wings, please tell Steve I said thank you for for not doing it in that that window of like four or five hours there on Friday. Well, two things. One, I'm not ever going to spoil your news on here because I don't know if you want everything about your life public. So I'll never I put it on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. I don't follow you. (laughs) (laughs) And two, I'm happy that my off-season break from Twitter where I tweet so infrequently that when I even tweet about the smallest things, it registers on your radar is is a thing. Yeah, you cause me anxiety even when things should be relaxed. So that's where you sit in my life right now. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so good news. Our landlord, the uh, owner of the Winged Wheel Podcast Studio, is now stuck with us. It's now half hours. (laughs) what a dummy she yeah. could have milked us for all we were the worth. plan is coming together perfectly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the long con it only took a very long time yeah you really milked that one huh uh listen 
Okay, what is it? I like, put it- I, I damn near went for a record timeline uh, <laughs> from time Crystal and I started dating to time we got engaged. But I had the excuse of uh, she was 15 when we started dating. So I had like a seven-year grace period where it didn't really count. Um, yeah, you didn't have that. So I put it in the our I I put it in our group chat and uh, immediately it was finally and I put it in the group chat with Max and Prashanth and immediately Prashanth said finally <laughs> and I was like okay yeah I get it guys frankly I just I had to catch catch her at a good time where she was stupid enough to say yes yeah so yeah you had to wait till the Stockholm syndrome was fully set yes. in and even then I had to hit her with a Melissa wants to marry me says what and yeah. so legally now and I did call no take back so. That's that. That's how that works. Let's see. Uh, whenever the, I don't know when the wedding is. The the lining of super glue on the inside of the ring was a nice touch. It, yeah. The timing of that was very difficult. It almost got stuck in my pocket. <laughs> but uh, eventually, you schmucks are going to have to come to a wedding. So, Ugh. yeah. Open bar? More? Yes. Then I'm Please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Jeff Petrie. Uh, Jeff Petrie, the Montreal Canadiens are looking to offload his contract for... Obvious reasons makes what is it six point two five million dollars for the next three seasons, mm-hmm. and they're trying to do a few things: clear cap space and are they trying to tank like nuts next year? I don't know. I mean, Shane Wright, Connor Bedard's not a bad start to a rebuild. Yeah, it, not to mention Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield. Yeah, so it, it's okay, but um, they're they want to move on from Jeff Petrie and it looks like there's some interest from teams as to to bring him on as you know a viable defender not as a it doesn't sound like Montreal's interest in cap dumping him at all so the Red Wings were were listed as a team who was uh in on him Pierre Lebron on insider trading said there's no question a Jeff Petrie trade is something that the Habs are working on it's not guaranteed it'll happen but there's certainly some effort being done on that front The Dallas Stars are a team that has some interest, especially if they can't re-sign John Klingberg. Uh, I'm also told that Detroit is a potential destination. Five or six teams have talked to Montreal. So, you know, Dallas is looking to replace Klingberg. Detroit would be looking to bring him in. He would immediately be one of their best defenders, uh, kind of on a Nick Letty-type contract or a Nick Letty-type situation where you bring him in with the option of shipping him out if you are looking to add more assets in the future or as a steadying presence to shore up the blue line. Anyhow, thoughts initially on the concept of trading for Jeff Petrie? No. No, absolutely not. So I'll establish it by saying I like Jeff Petrie as a player, and I feel like he has been outside of you know Montreal hockey circles pretty underrated through the bulk of his career because he was a legitimately great top four defenseman. Um, he's not old. He's only 34, and that's not old. <laughs> dust and bones yeah, may as well he's, be. ancient he's, history he's only 34 that's the prime right there but um he took a pretty significant step back this year um in terms of everything defensive play offensive production whatever you want to look at now a lot of that might coincide with you know the team taking a nosedive so did the team nosedive because of petrie or did petrie nosedive because of the team who's to say for sure Probably more of the team than Petrie himself. That all being said, a 35-year-old's production drops off a cliff and his overall play regresses. Not a good indicator of someone who's going to bounce back. 
I don't think 35-year-old Jeff Petrie is going to be a drastic improvement from 34-year-old Jeff Petrie. Should he improve from this year? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But he was a far cry from a $6.25 million player, so even some improvement is not going to be a $6.25 million player. Even beyond that, it's three more years. So the whole, I know you brought up Nick Letty. That's not an option here. His If he comes in and he is anything less than exceptional, that contract's unmovable. You are betting that he comes in. A 34-year-old comes in who will turn 35 early in the season, bouncing back. I... I get the appeal of Jeff Petrie, the hockey player. I fully understand it. And I don't think he's as bad as he was last year. But at 35, that's not a gamble I'm willing to make. And with that contract, that's an absolute no for me. This The only way this trade happens is if Montreal is basically giving him away at half retained. Or, well... That's the only way, or unless there's a hefty sweetener to take on the full contract, and I mean significant sweetener. He hasn't been the same since he looked like a zombie. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I forgot that. that. Yeah. Okay, I disagree, and I my initial reaction was woof because Jeff Jeff Petrie had a rough season, but then I looked at his splits pre and post Dom Ducharme. That's fair. He pretty. A lot of players pretty openly didn't like like what Dom Ducharme was doing, and Petrie was at the forefront of that. He was fantastic under marty st louis awful under ducharme fantastic under marty st louis there was some mention of you know he's working through some injury stuff both in, in the background and and more apparent to fans his hunger for flesh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you know he, he thrives at full moons and that kind of thing yeah. um that doesn't discount what brad just said so i i I pretty much disagreed with what you said. Petrie is a way better player than people are giving him credit for right now. Agreed. And you're right. He is coming up on an age cliff going against someone who is undefeated, which is father time. But I don't think Jeff Petrie's game. It might be wishful thinking, but I think Jeff Petrie's game can hold on in a way that can be a an appreci- make an appreciable difference for the Red Wings. At $6.25 million, you're absolutely right. That is painful. For three more seasons, that's painful. If the Montreal Canadiens want to retain a little bit, that would make it a lot better. I don't get the impression that the Canadiens want to do that much, if at all. But if they are giving him away, what I, this is how I see it. The Red Wings have Cider, Ronick, and you know Lindstrom or whoever. Ronick's play has been off and on. Yeah, he has produced. Um, but, you know, Petrie would be pretty much tied with him for second pairing right-handed defenseman right now. They bring him in. They have a cap floor to reach. He does make this team better. And then with their infinite cap space, if he comes back and he's on decent enough form, they can ship him out. Because they shipped out a Nick Letty who's playing, other than like the two weeks before the trade deadline, pretty terrible hockey all year. Um, and I think they could get something for Jeff Petrie. Six when, when? That's the question. So when? Could be in a year. Could be in two years. But... You would hope that maybe his game doesn't drop off a cliff so much. He shelters his minutes a little bit. He's not going to be playing more insider minutes. He'll be playing second, like, you know, three, four, five number uh, D minutes, yeah. right? So if Montreal, I'm not giving up significant assets for him. You would first want Montreal to retain. Assuming they don't want to, then you would essentially want him free. 
I can see a world where that is a benefit for Detroit. It's gonna it would take some navigating and it would take like a world class GM, which the Red Wings are fortunate enough to have. So the way I look at this, what's the upside and what's the ultimate downside? Um the upside is Petrie comes in and you've got the Petrie of, you know, two, three years ago. Again, as unlikely as I think that is, but it could happen. Um, especially like you said with the splits, which is a good point between uh first half and second half of the season. Are the Red Wings going to be contenders in that three-year window? No. Um, so you get a good defenseman to help mentor, and and he'd be there for hopefully a couple playoff runs. Um, I do think Jeff Petrie would help the Red Wings get to the playoffs as long as his contract isn't inhibiting them from doing other things on the roster that they want to do, which with the current situation they're in, I don't think it would unless Stevie decides to go big game hunting in a year or two. But he's probably not going to be a rental. Because you can probably move him in year two or three of this contract with half retained. Well, if you're bringing in Jeff Petrie, you're hoping you're in the playoffs those two years. Because you're not bringing in Jeff Petrie to be continue rebuilding for three years. You're not bringing in a $6.2 million contract to rebuild for three more years. You are hoping you're getting two playoffs out of Jeff Petrie. So he's probably not someone you move unless shit goes really off the rails, in which yeah. case it was a bad move. And you're not going to be able to trade him because he's gone terribly. Um, but the downside here is huge. Like the what if he if it turns out, hey, father time is a thing and he's just not what he used to be. And you're saddled with the full cap hit. So now you have a contract you can't move. And you're going to get no appreciable assets. And, you know, not that you can always send him down. So I don't really care about taking up a roster spot. But I see very limited upside here, despite how good of a player I think Jeff Petrie is and could be still. And I see a, a massive downside if it doesn't go well. Now, obviously, if it happens, you take the optimistic approach and be like, okay, well, we're going for the playoffs in a year or two. So here we go. Let's have some fun. But eh, marginal upside, tremendous downside uh, into how they could this could play out. The other thing that I was thinking about was um, like he had two different seasons under two different coaches. The Red Wings don't even have a head coach right now. Yeah, so a good point. If, a, if a guy's going to be uh, Jekyll and Hyde with coaches, maybe you should figure out what your how your coach would gel with a player like him. Yeah, I don't know. Dom Ducharme kind of universally sucked. Oh, he was yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's for sure. You could put a, a microwave behind the bench and it would have been better. Yeah, Cole, Cole, they, t- they li- took a literal blindfold off Cole Caulfield and all of a sudden he started scoring goals like Dom Ducharme might be the reason why Moritz Sider didn't have more competition for the Calder Trophy oh 100% okay I, I think the upside is a little bit more here let's look at the worst case scenario Petrie Petrie falls off a cliff um, and is pretty rough and is like playing let's say at best Mark Stahl level hockey Half retained in that last year, you will still get something for Jeff Petrie. Guaranteed GMs go off name name basis. Yeah, I'm not looking at the worst case scenario from the standpoint of like at trading assets. Like trading assets. I'm talking about performance. Exactly. If you're bringing in a Jeff Petrie, the trade assets don't matter. This guy better be contributing in a playoff series for you in a meaningful way. You don't bring in a guy like Jeff Petrie at that contract unless you are serious about getting better reasonably fast okay ignore the contract for a second which is a heinous thing to say in the cap world but ignore it for a second the red wings need more than they had this year on the blue line like i agree they need players who can just 
Like, Cider cannot be playing with Osterly, and I get that Petrie won't slot in next to Cider, but, like, there needs to be more veteran presence. There needs to be more leadership. You need essentially what Mark Stahl did, but from a more capable player, which I think Petrie could do. I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, absolutely go trade for Jeff Petrie. I'm just saying I can see why they could bring him in and say, we need this guy on our team, and it won't be necessarily with the thought of we're making the playoffs next year. Without looking up comparables in my head, which is a lazy argument, but it's all I can do right now. That's all I do. (laughs) Yeah. There is almost certainly a player or multiple players in the NHL who are either free agents or under contract with teams that you could get for far less money who will contribute about the same or something reasonable. If you could get someone who's 80% of Jeff Petrie for two and a half million dollars, that is a much better option for the Detroit. What about John right Klingberg? <laughs> yeah, he's not going to cost two and a half. We want to talk dollars. about bad contracts, but you know, you go find. I know he shoots left, but someone like an Ian Cole who will definitely have Mark Stahl plus impact, but is going to come in for under three million dollars. The Red Wings are in a better position to do something like that. Who will very much make the team better and is going to very much be an upgrade on whoever he replaces in the lineup but isn't coming with three years at $6.25 million in his mid thirties. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm not against the idea of Jeff Petrie or someone like Jeff Petrie. I actually am very in favor of it. I am very against that combination of age and contract because if he comes in and he is worthwhile for three years at $6 million at his age, he is the extreme outlier to players in his, in his situation. What if they bring Nick Letty back? <laughs> and we've seen that one not work. And he wasn't exactly a revelation when he got to St. Louis. I think the crux of this is what is Montreal willing to do? Because what we're hearing is initial phases, right? Like Kent Hughes yeah. is putting like there's a lot of this is coming from Montreal and they're putting out like a big tough man, you know, stance publicly to other teams to say, hey, Jeff Petrie is available, but we're not just going to be giving him away. And you know what? Teams might say, okay, I'm willing to give you a middling asset, something that Jeff Petrie is is not worth Jeff Petrie, but with the contract, that's what you're going to get. But if there aren't any bites, it's again, I, I'm sorry to do this, but I'm going to compare it to the housing market. Eventually, you're going to have to drop the price. It's not always how it shakes out, but we'll see if Montreal gives. Maybe they start to retain. They say, okay, yeah, we'll retain a mil. We'll retain 1.5 for the, for the next three years. Then that makes it a little sweeter. Or We'll package a third round pick with it. Then that You're makes also it a little talking sweeter. about trying to move up in the this year's draft. Which is I mean, I kinda like I think that's kind of baller, but focus on next year, man. Just suck for another year. No, I, I love that move. They have guys who have value now and they have teams like New Jersey and Philly who might be willing to move like picks two and five. Can you imagine your Montreal walking away with Shane Wright and your Ice Lefkowski or yeah, that's I mean, not bad. I I don't know if they have quite the ammo to pull it off. But holy hell, do I love the mentality of it. I like when GMs, you know, do something cool. Like they go get, they shoot from the hip and yeah, just yeah. try and do something different. The the most baller draft move of all time was when Brian Burke went yes. up and got the Sedines. Like, yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. More of that. Like not to Montreal because they're our division and I hate them and not them specifically, but like, yeah, I want, let's get weird. We need more twins at the top of the draft. Just make GMs be weird. That's a thing. Like, NHL GMs and hockey teams are essential are inherently unfun like they just don't do crazy s- stuff like that but they also are very big on like familial ties and the brotherhood so they'll be like well the brothers have to have them both what are the uh, what do you think the reaction would be if uh 
Kent Hughes drafts Jack Hughes. Fantastic. Everyone, oh, that, that'll be Twitter. It'll be the most most controversial we've ever seen for a second round pick. Do you think, would you go up there if you're Kent Hughes? Would you go up there? Oh, you'd have to. I don't like, know. If, Maybe it would, if he's up there for every other pick, it would look worse if that's the one he doesn't. If you see them walking up without him for the first time with their billion picks, you know who they're taking. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think that'd be funny if he didn't go up there. He just had some like random, you know, third tier scout slappy go up and announce it. Just as like a dick to his kid. But no, any dad would be go up there, like go up there and be elated to draft his son. But yeah, I I don't know. I think we need to know more about what Montreal is looking for here. I think there could be benefit to Detroit. Brad, you did make some really good points. And honestly, Evan, yeah, like the Red Wings need to figure out who their coach is. Maybe start at the top and work our way down to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. It's now fair game to announce the coach. We even made it past the weekend where uh, I believe Max is at a wedding. So we're in the home stretch here. It, it's got to be coming soon. You would think within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I've got my match play, my alternate shot match play tomorrow. That would be a perfect time for them to do it. Oh, yeah. Thank you for your sacrifice. I yeah. appreciate that. I have nothing coming up. This is my fault. <sighs> I don't even, I'm not going to be on the 401 as far as I can tell anytime soon. You got to start just taking some drives. I'll just go buy some Jays tickets or something just to get it out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Get stuck in traffic. Yeah. Let your battery get down to like 30%. I'll pick or like something. the worst possible like game time, like a Friday night game. So I have to deal with like 4 p.m. Toronto traffic. Yeah. That, that's when it had happened. You're going to see my name pop up on your phone and then time's going to slow down and music's going to start playing <laughs> just as tradition goes. It's going to be uh, running up that hill. <laughs> Kate Bush going to come on the radio at that exact time. Uh, and now evan's rendition of running up that hill is that the stranger thing song yeah yeah i couldn't tell you three words from it even though i've watched the whole thing i think you can get three words running, running up, up that, that hill that's not he three. almost didn't make it it's more that. than three yeah you had three You're- i said three not more than three Okay, well, <laughs> we're going to move on. But before we do that, uh, I'm going to tell you that this episode of the Wingwheel Podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, a sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need, even more excitement in the game. There's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. They are simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, giving you more action every game day. Plus, there are tons of fun with unique bet types like same game parlay and exclusive promos on the biggest events. Plus, when you win, you get your winnings back safely in as little as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that first bet. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Now what we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that promo and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code WWP. Must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. All right, it's about time we talk about Brad Lambert again. And uh, I was really hoping by this point in the scouting process, uh, I'd have more kind of solid direction on Brad Lambert. 
a lot of people whose opinions we know and trust and uh, love to take in and who we talk with on this podcast, you know, Tony Ferrari, uh, Will Scout from Scouching, many others, um, they really like Brad Lambert. But there's a, a, in my mind, a certain amount of risk that comes with him where we need to kind of assess where does he really fall compared to who else is available at eight and what's your move here if you're Steve Eisman? So let's do a Brad Lambert revisited where is he now compared to where he, where he was before, and where do you have him in, in your own internal rankings? Um, so I have this like very large tier of prospects outside of the top five in a group that I kind of have labeled in my head as I'm not mad if the Red Wings take him, if they take them, and it's a group of like 10 or 11 players. Brad Lambert's at the very bottom of that list. So he's in there. But he's, of all of the options, probably my least desirable right now. Because, again, like I was I was just talking about the, if you like the concept of a Jeff Petrie on the Red Wings, I understand that you like the concept of a Brad Lambert on the Red Wings. Well, if you like the concept of a Brad Lambert, you have Matt Savoy and Frank Nazer, but they're actually producing. And they actually have a long track record of producing. And they don't have all these questions around them that Lambert does. And they're the same type of player with the same with similar skill sets and in some ways i actually think um savoy and and nazer have him beat in certain skills individually of course um so i don't know i've yeah can we glue savoy and nazer together that'd be really great that'd be a hell of a player yeah like on their shoulders though they need to yeah. be taller <laughs> yeah but then they're going first overall yeah um so i'm i'm not out on Brad Lambert, but I've, I've really come down on him. If you were frustrated by Philip Zadina this year, you probably shouldn't be banging the table for Lambert at this point. I'll put it that way. Not because of play style, but, but because of issues. You, you see a good player that doesn't produce. Yeah. And you can't fully figure out why. And then you get more frustrated because you can't fully figure out why. And that's kind of where I'm at with Lambert because, again, he's an overager for this draft like a late birthday i should say not an overager very late birthday so he's had an extra year of opportunity to prove yeah i can put up numbers consistently and he still hasn't so if you're a high skill forward it's your job to score because brad lambert's not that guy if he doesn't hit you can plug him in and he can you know kill some penalties and play on your third or fourth line he ain't that guy he's not that dude you if you're drafting brad lambert he has to score that's the reality of it so I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I, I get it, but I'm, he, he's been sliding the wrong way on my board the whole year. It's a little frustrating to watch Brad Lambert. Cause you know, especially if you see like a highlight package, you're like, Oh my God, why is this guy not even being considered in the top five, top three, even so skilled. His skating is phenomenal. His, his, his puck skills are phenomenal. And, the way he's able to kind of work the game dynamically, you see, uh, you know, the way he's able to fire a pass or or score on if you can get a like a highlight package where he's scoring a lot. But then you watch like a full game and you watch his play off the puck a little bit and you look at his production, you kind of look at how he's been moving across leagues and things like that. A lot of what you said, Brad, is is there like. Yeah, Philip Zadina, not the same kind of player, but you watch a player who's doing a lot of things right but can't produce. And if that's already happening for Brad Lambert at this level, it just something is off. It could be a lot of like 
just tough situations. He's played on crappy teams or, you know, didn't get the ice time or, you know, whatever it might be, one one justification or excuse or whatever after another. But at eighth overall, when you're going to have a Matt Savoy on the board, when you're going to have a Frank Nazer on the board, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it scares you away from that pick. I'm with you. I'm not out. I think I'm even, even further back from you, though. I'm pretty close to being out. It's not the end of the world if the Red Wings draft Lambert. They're drafting one of the genuinely one of the most raw, talented players in the draft if they take him. But there are a lot needs to start to make sense immediately after drafting. And let me tell you, if it was making sense now, we'd be talking about Brad Lambert not even making it past pick three or four. Yeah. And it, like again, if you're sold on that type of player, like if you even want to narrow it all the way down to I just want a small skilled forward who's like fast, got hands and can score. Let's assume the top five goes as expected, right? Slavkovsky, Cooley, Nemec, Yerchek. So then you've got two more picks to get through before Detroit, and you will still have Savoy, Nazer, Karamaki, Kamel, Lambert. Three of them are still going to be sitting there, and if Lambert's one of those three, at least two of them are going to have a, a really good track record of production. So again, you can like the guy, but I have a hard time justifying picking one of these other guys, like picking Brad Lambert over one of these other guys with, you know, relatively similar profiles and relatively similar skill sets, albeit, you know, some playmaking specialists, some shooting specialists, what have you. And that's not even counting in the, okay, well now we mix in the guys with size. You have Cutter Goche there. You have Connor Geeky, like. It's hard to justify him over these guys just because of the fact that he hasn't been able to put it together for many years now. And again, you said there could be circumstance, bad line mates, no ice time, bad team. But man, those excuses are starting to pile up on each other. Yeah. So lots of guys who play with on bad teams and have bad teammates and then they still produce and still look like a bona fide top 10 pick. It's evan on every beer league team he's ever played on that's right that's right it's tough because he's he's, i don't think it's unfair to say he's probably one of the best if not the best skater in the draft and it's tough because you saw his his fall from grace where he was poised to be potentially the first overall pick or like fighting with shane Wright for potentially the first overall pick this year in his years uh approaching the uh, his draft season you know where i would love to take brad lambert pick 16 you know, that 14 to 16 range where, yeah, Savoy didn't fall all the way to you, or you really wanted, you know, one of the defensemen, or all the centermen are gone, like all the other centermen are gone, and Cutter Gochi is not there because his stock got too high close to the draft. That's when you take Lambert. It's not that there's never a sense, like you can't let a player this skilled fall that far in the draft. But again, you know, you want someone fast with offensive ability who could play center? Yeah, that's Frank Nazer. Matt Savoy t- uh, checks a lot of boxes that that Lambert does on the ice to the same degree and in the exact same way. No, but you know, if I'm the Red Wings and you're looking at Lambert where you're like, if all things go well, but you factor in the risk and we still hit on this guy, maybe he's a top six winger. Okay. What, what about Cutter Goche where you're like, maybe he's a top six center. Brad, this is more of a, a profile on Brad Lambert as a Red Wings pick. And yeah, I, 
I can't help but think that this is one where, you know, a lot of people are going to look stupid for doubting him, but at the same time, it would have to be a way more sparse draft for me to be like banging the drum and banging the table for Brad Lambert. You really got to grill him at the draft interview. Yeah. You got to kind of drill down in your own own way to figure out what the hell's going on with this guy. Because like you guys said, if you watched 80% of a highlight clip of him, you'd be like, this guy should be in the top five. No problem. He's magical. He's He, he looks like a top five pick. But he just doesn't produce. And to me, that is a glaring red flag because it's not one scenario where he hasn't produced. It's been a, a history at this point. And you got to do it. Everybody else is doing it except you. It's like uh, it's as if we created him in a creative player, like play center, super like a phenomenal skater, the best in the draft. But then you let the AI play him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks like. Like this yeah. guy looks like he should be a top five pick, but if you can't produce, you don't last that long. Yeah, what was it eleven points or across two teams in Liga, forty nine games, he had ten points. That's not good enough. There might be a team who can bet on that, but in a top ten pick, when there's other guys who are producing in their draft year, I think you got to take a, a more certain pick than betting on Brad Lambert. How, what is the first, like at what point in the draft would you say, yeah, I'd feel comfortable taking Brad Lambert. Just slide the Red Wings down as far as you want. Com- oh, where the Red Wings are picking? No, like let's say the Red Wings hypothetically had pick 16 or hypothetically had pick 20. Don't worry about how we got there, but where would you take Brad Lambert? Eight plus 16 or just they only have 16? Ignore the context. Like they only have one. Well, a context is very key when you're drafting a player because uh, you can either wait or not wait. Okay. Team indeterminate. Where would you draft Brad Lambert comfortably? If I needed a steady stream of potential pipeline prospects, late teens at the earliest. You use the word comfortable? Yeah. Nowhere. I'm never. I would not be comfortable drafting Brad Lambert because I'm not sure he's an NHLer right now. Where do I think the gamble starts to be, be worth, worth it? it? Is late teens, early twenties? I think in that range too. Just because there's enough guys that I like that are at least comparatively skilled, that obviously different positions, different styles, that I would take over them just. Because there's probably a little more certainty with those guys. To me, this is how I would phrase the question if I'm interviewing Brad Lambert. I'd say, there's all these guys who play the same position as you and are ranked at these spots, and they produce in their leagues. Why should we be taking you over them? Give me an answer. Yeah. Or If it's not good enough, it's all right. Thanks for your time. Good luck. Or the Steve Eisman classic. Smoke pot? (laughs) (laughs) No, maybe you should. <laughs> yeah. You need to chill out. Yeah. Okay. You kind of answered this. So we'll start with you, Evan. Let's say there's Eisenman is only considering Geeky or Lambert. Which would you prefer he, he drafts? Geeky. Lambert, I just don't like Geeky that much. <laughs> I right. I know Geeky can produce. It's just not going to be very pretty. Wow. I actually, I, I'm pretty torn on that one. I think I'd rather take the swing at a guy who could be a top six guy versus a guy I'm pretty confident is going to be a bottom six forward. Oh, you're confident that Geeky's going to be a bottom I get six the, forward. Like, again, I, I know I'm using this phrase way too much. I love the idea of Connor Geeky. I just don't see it. 
I don't see how Brad Lambert can fix his lack of production in the best league in the world. <laughs> ah, it's simple. Just try harder. Just put the puck in the net. Yeah. I think I think I'm leaning geeky. I think I'm leaning geeky. But I don't know. I, I think I've just been scared away by a lot of a lot of it's not Brad Lambert's fault. Like again, sparse draft, you take the swing. Eighth overall is an equivalent across years, right? Eighth overall sometimes is no man's land. It's the same thing as fifteen. But I'm I'm starting to think it's not insane that your check drops to eight. I'm starting to think it's not insane for Nemich to drop to eight, right? Like I'm starting to think a lot of really good players might be available there. And and at some point you have to assess, I've been given a gift and it's as if I was drafting fourth or fifth overall and you got to take it. So, and there could be some team ahead of Detroit in the draft who absolutely loves Brad Lambert and he goes like fifth overall. I would love that. And that would be the most ridiculous thing a team could do, but we've seen crazy stuff before. I mean, again, go through the, the mock draft scenario, the top five goes as the top five I've laid out before. And then what would be the worst case scenario for Detroit for the next two guys to go off the board? Savoy Goche? Then yeah. then you're still sitting there with Nazer, Lakaramaki, Kemmel, like Casper. Casper. Yeah. I mean, all guys that I would I would take in a heartbeat over can, Lambert at this point. Can you pull up elite prospects and like do the show tell us like what the ranking other sites have them at you know what i mean oh, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. oh buddy i can get one even quicker than that well we'll see the race is on all right so brad lambert currently has rankings over several outlets at 8 14 27 30 14 8 20 yeah so late teens roughly sounds like an average as high yeah average yes uh his average of those rankings to this point comes out EP to has- exactly 17.29 I'm a genius. All right. Well, that's Brad Lambert. I know a lot of you are really big on Brad Lambert, and maybe we came in you know, a lot lower than what you would have wanted. So let us know in the comments of however you're watching this, uh, how you feel about Brad Lambert and why we're wrong and uh, why we'll have egg on our face when he inevitably inevitably becomes a top six center. And uh, we're thinking, oh boy, the Red Wings could have had this guy and we were advocating to maybe pass over him. That would be an absolute shock to me. Yeah. Well, I would be absolutely shocked. I would have been absolutely shocked if they took Moritz Sider and he turned out to be number one defenseman. So there we are. And that doesn't happen all the time. That's why people were shocked. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, inherently, yes. Yeah, that's how that goes. Uh, Okay, let's get into some NHL news and let's start with the Stanley Cup playoffs. What a start to the Stanley Cup playoffs and who are those Tampa Bay Lightning that we saw last night? Uh, They look like the Detroit Red Wings. Seven, nothing. I made the joke Colorado involved in a 7 nothing game, as every Red Wings fan should. But genuinely, Colorado dominated every part of that game. All of it. Vasilevsky let in the single most goals that he ever has in his career. Uh, I think he's done it one other time maybe. But yeah, 7 is the most he's let in. So a quick aside. Steve uh, Dangle figured out why nobody can remember the no. one game Vasilevsky let in 7 no. goals. Was it the same... It was against Arizona. He gave up a seven spot on a Saturday night while the Leafs were losing to David Ayers. <laughs> ah. I was like, why would Steve be? Oh, my God. It happened on the David Ayers night. Oh, my God. It's a good night to do it. If you're if you're ever going to give up a seven piece, make it when the Toronto Maple Leafs lose to their own Zamboni driver. Yeah. Like he Vasilevsky gave up a seven spot to the Coyotes and nobody noticed. 
Holy. Yeah. So the Colorado Avalanche have a 2 nothing series lead heading into Tampa Bay. And it's no average 2 nothing series lead. It is they just thumped the twice defending Stanley Cup champion for a seven-goal shutout. I'm uh, I'm not going to count Tampa Bay out of this at all. You can't. Got to lose at home first. Yeah, that age-old old hockey man phrase. You're not in trouble till you lose at home. Seven, it's three nothing. Then you're really screwed. <laughs> and big trouble. Seven nothing still only counts for one win. Yep. So if Tampa Bay can grind out two wins here, then it's it's a whole new ball game. But as of right now, two nothing. Colorado dominated that puck, dominated that play for sixty minutes. Tampa Bay's in a world of hurt. Is this their toughest test in three years since Toronto? But yes, yeah. Toronto fans got to be devastated right now. Just in another dimension. Down goes Brown had a pretty good summation of this because obviously everybody's trying to figure out what's wrong with Tampa. And, you know, you could say injuries, but obviously Colorado's missing Kadri and et cetera, et cetera. Um, his, his hypothesis, which is probably the right one, is even though Tampa's won the last 11 series they've played, maybe this is the first series out of those 12 where they're just not the better team. Yeah, Colorado is a powerhouse this year and have been all season. The only reason what Colorado is doing right now is surprising is because they're doing it against Tampa Bay. I'd say Toronto was the better team than Tampa for 90% of that series. They just kind of got Vasilevskied. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do agree. And I think that's why the Toronto fans' frustrations started before this round. Because Tampa had not a cakewalk, but a much easier time after that first round. But yeah, I... I you can't disagree. Like they've not really run into a test like this as we've seen it so far. Every facet of the game, they are just dominant. And usually with Tampa Bay is even when they're not the better team and they did this against Toronto, like this is their hallmark. They found a way to win. They eked it out. They held on when they were, there was a barrage against them and they capitalized on the other team's mistakes. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you were the better team for only 35% of the play. If you have more goals on the board, then that's, that's the W right there. But Colorado didn't even put it within striking distance. Colorado just jumped all over them. And you can say, yeah, tired. You can say, yeah, exhausted, whatever. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe Sean's right. Maybe it's just simply this is the toughest team Tampa Bay had to had, had to face. Tampa didn't have the luxury of Vasilevsky being Vasilevsky that night. And they got exposed for it. Yeah. Two more games in Tampa Bay upcoming. What do you guys see happening? I'm my I don't know what order I'm predicting these next two games get split. Okay. It could go two one to three one or three nothing to three one. I don't really care. I I feel like Tampa's good enough that they're not gonna just fold on home ice, but I think Colorado is also so good they're gonna steal one. I have no idea what Vasilevsky's record is coming off of back to back losses or getting uh giving up seven, but I can't imagine he's going to do it again. So I think just based on that alone and being at home and getting the home crowd energy, I, I feel like Tampa's going to win the next one. And then we really got a series because if Tampa can f- start to figure out Colorado, um, it's going to get interesting. But right now I'm I'm not a betting man on Tampa. Yeah. Vasilevsky coming off a loss is probably the best goal in the NHL you can pick to come off a loss. Like he is... He's not going to take 7 nothing. well. You almost want to say, why would you leave him in? Which I think would be a very fair question. I get that it's the playoffs and 
whatever. But um, in terms of mental fortitude and the ability to come back and just shake off a loss and dummy the other team and absolutely steal their souls in a game, Vasilevsky is the, the hallmark goalie for that. Can he do it against these Colorado Avalanche? That's That remains to be seen. The best goalie in the world is, is going to give up stinkers, and the best goalie in the world is going to relinquish a goal or two against a, a world-class offense. So I think it's not a hot take because obviously going down 3 nothing is near on impossible to come back from, but Tampa needs, needs to win in a big way on in game three. If they split, if even if they win game one and then it goes 3-1, I don't see them coming back. I, I don't know that they have it in them. Especially to because they're going back to Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Unless McKinnon, McCarr, and um, three other players get injured on Colorado. Outside of some devastating thing, yeah. We'll see. All right. Um, some other small news. Shea Weber traded. Shea Weber's contract traded. Oh, you are going to enjoy Vegas. Yeah. Vegas is a good spot for you. Sun, good golf. Very good golf. Yeah. You'll get a good tan. I don't. I don't have that problem um someone uh someone in the comments the other day they like i just noticed that evan just looks like a slightly darker shea weber like yes, yes this time of year well, 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 welcome j- jump <laughs> jump on, on the wagon welcome yeah, the to the wing wheel podcast <laughs> yeah yeah so shea weber's contract traded to uh to vegas in exchange for dad and off did you see anaheim's reply yes you sure yeah <laughs> which is hysterical um which is, I think it makes sense for both teams. He didn't have Montreal on his no trade list? Guess not. He probably didn't think a basement feeder would be a team that's interested in buying. Or he'll get more minutes there, or like the original sixth thing, or you only have so many teams to add to your no trade list. And if I you- thought everybody just did all the Canadian teams, basically, and then whoever in the States has highest tax. He just tax. he just added Arizona 10 times, or whatever it was. Well, I remember he hearing something about he didn't, he put Anaheim on his no trade. He put all the California teams on his no trade because he didn't want to pay that tax rate, and I can't imagine Quebec's a hell of a lot better. So it's a touch confusing. Well... We'd have to ask him, but yeah, the it, it makes sense. Long-term injured reserver LTIR, as you hear it reser- referred to, is is a little complicated and not as simple as people put it out to be. But it makes sense for Vegas because they can now utilize that LTIR space as they'll be very close, if not at the cap. And the uh, Montreal Canadiens get that dead weight off their roster. They bring in Dadunov, who at $5 million isn't cheap, but can is going to make more of an impact than Shea Weber, who is all but retired now like he's not playing hockey anymore so it makes sense for both teams um montreal can trade him for assets too if he has a good season i mean they'd have to retain i think how many more years? oh it's his last year at, at five million yeah. okay yeah so they can move him and, and retain if they want to um yeah congrats on your on your move to vegas thank you john tortorella finalized as the philadelphia flyers head coach he had the Hell best yeah. the best soundbite already he's like I'm paraphrasing, but he said something about like, we need to be intimidating. We need to be intimidating when we come off the bus and we need to be intimidating when we, we take the ice. We need te- other teams to be afraid of the Philadelphia Flyers. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be I'm, the best. I'm ready for this. I yeah. am so happy. One is not Detroit. Two, like you can't handpick a better market for John Tortorella than Philadelphia. Amazing. Like, this is a match made in heaven. Like, on ice product uh, to be seen. I, th- I still think John Tortorella is a 
Tortorella's a better coach than he gets credit for. I, I think he's a legitimately good coach. Um, I think Flyers ownership and management is crazy in terms of where they think this team is at and what their plan is going forward. They but, think they're buying. Yeah. They think they're buying in free agency. And that means the Flyers are probably going to think they're going to be good this year. Tortorella is going to think they're going to go be good this year. It'll probably go off the rails at some point. And could you imagine you John get- Tortorella in Philly driving an 18 wheeler going off the cliff? Like this is all this is maximum chaos like this is so much better than we could have hoped for i don't know what it's gonna take but we need their first round pick next year yeah yeah more than anything uh who is adam tweeted something at me along the line adam lascaris tweeted something at me along the lines of philly is giving off big oh they probably shouldn't have traded that first rounder vibes yeah yeah (laughs) they're they're this year's chicago maybe yeah that's i know it's easier said than done and someone was like who would you even trade I don't know. You could do a lot of things, but any team who's that erratic and is that desperate to contend when maybe their roster isn't allowing them to do so. I'm not saying it's impossible. We're seeing more and more in hockey where teams make aggressive moves and they can get themselves out of tight cap binds or, or find value in other places. I don't know that Fletcher is the right guy to do it. We haven't seen a lot of that in the past, in the recent past. So. Hey, he was masterful at keeping Minnesota right on the playoff bubble for didn't they Ever. trade for Rasmus Ristolainen? Mm. Uh, and then gave and him Ryan a hefty Ellis. extension. And Ryan Ellis. But Ryan Ellis is legitimately good. He was hurt all year. Like, I think Philly's... Well, that's a- also... You've probably figured that out before you trade for someone. Philly's better than fifth last. I think they had a lot go against them last year, and I don't think they're truly that awful. I don't think it's by much. I think they're still firmly... Not a playoff team. I think a phenomenal season for Philly this year and everything goes right. And Tortorella gets every last bit out of this team, ends up in them getting waxed in the first round. Yeah, I'm still a big Carter Hart believer too. And he's only like, he's probably 23 probably. If they do a better job of just not letting him get absolutely walked every game and giving up grade A chances at left, right, and center... That guy could rebound in a big way. Um, you got to stick around a 23-year-old goalie with big yeah, potential. Yeah. And who are their two coaches this year? Yo and Vino. Mm-hmm. They got absolutely nothing out of Konechny and Provorov and Atkinson and like Sam. They're not a bad team. There's, they're better than... They're league they, average when you describe who their players are. When everything goes right. Not in personality anymore. They're going to be the top of the league in personality. Like now. I said, I could see Philly being a borderline playoff team this year, yep. but like that's their best case scenario. Um, and in other coaching news, it's been mentioned that Detroit's still kind of sniffing around on, on trots. Like they're still kind of in the mix. He's not, you don't hear their names as the most common. I think he's going back for a second interview or a second conversation with Winnipeg. And that seems to be the most likely fit so far. Uh, followed by, you know, Nashville for management. But Detroit's name is still coming up a little bit for Trotz. So for anyone who's who's open for Trotz, don't rule him out for the Red Wings yet. But otherwise, the names that were mentioned are, you know, from Tampa Bay, the assistants, Lalonde and Halpern or anyone else in that system. So um, no, no movement for Detroit. But if you think that because it's been so long, rule them out on Trotz, I don't wouldn't say do that quite yet. We'll see. Maybe by next episode, we'll have some news. But... Um, that's where we're at with I that. I heard, 
I don't know if this was true, but I heard Chicago is aggressively shopping to Brinkhead as well. That's what I was going to say. Did we ever talk about that? I don't know if we can use the word aggressively, but yes. They're taking offers. They're taking offers into Brinkhead. I cannot remember how old he is and what he makes. 24 and he's due for a really big qualifying offer soon. Oh, it's something like they're... Because his cap hits like four, but his real dollars is like nine. Yeah, exactly. The qualifying offer has to be like nine Nine million. million Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Nine million dollars for... And which like it's it's to Brinkett, right? He 40 last year Yeah, put up 40. He could very well be worth nine. Like that is... Right on the line of, is he worth it? Which is how you know his agent did a good job. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, would you, is it crazy paying to bring it nine mil? No. Is that probably what you want to pay to bring it fairly? Probably not. But when the cap goes up and you have to bring it locked in, if you can get him. Yeah. He's only like, what, 24? He is, yeah, 20. He'll be 25 at the very end of this year. So we'll start the season 24 years old. There you go. I heard someone describe his ability to score goals as, he could just he he just finds his way into scoring goals like he just ends up at the, the puck just ends up on a stick at the right time and that's a, exactly the type of goal scorer you want the guy who just like can't not score Debrinket is what we talked about in the past a guy who can just put the puck in the net what do you trade if you're if you're trying to trade for Debrinket knowing that you have that qualifying offer coming up but knowing that's a guy who just put in 40 and is still in the prime and will be for a little while of his of his athletic career what do you move for him hardest thing to do in hockey is put the puck in the net so yeah uh, Chicago if you're Detroit we're talking Detroit specifically they're not making that deal right now without the eighth overall pick no which is you got to consider it's not there. crazy. No, yeah, you, I absolutely think not crazy. Tyler Bertuzzi in this year's eighth overall pick. I don't think Chicago wants to get older, though, right? Oh, whoa, Bertuzzi and eighth. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally just trying to th- that is, that is throw out a bar value wise. That is probably around what Chicago is going to be looking at. If Bertuzzi is extended, then definitely not. But if you know Bertuzzi is definitely not coming back. That's tough. Now it gets into the question of does DeBrinket score 40 without Patrick Kane? I think he probably gets close, but I think Kane definitely helps those numbers. I think DeBrinket can absolutely score we'll get on Patrick his own. Kane too. Let's just bring them all. Let's get weird. Yeah. It would be but, very cheap on the cap. Yes. Yeah. It would only cost like $5 million. The other problem, though, is the Red Wings don't really have someone like Patrick Kane, right? So you would essentially be hoping that future state Red Wings can offer the same kind of support that DeBrinckit's getting right now. Yeah. I, I don't know. I always tend to err on the side of caution, which is to not do it. And, you know, if you want a goal scorer, I'm not saying Kemmel or LaCara Mackey are going to be anywhere near the goal scorer that DeBrinckit is. They could maybe get in the ballpark. But that's when you factor in, I get three years of an entry-level contract. They're six years younger. Is 80% of Alex Debrinkit for an extra six years worth it? Probably. If you're moving big assets for Debrinkit, that means you're moving the team forward aggressively this offseason. Yeah, like Debrinkit makes a lot of sense for a team, a hypothetical New Jersey, who their benchmark is, we are making the playoffs this damn season. And we are going for a cup within three to four years. Oh, Philadelphia. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they're sniffing around. Yeah, I was going to say that would actually make, that would be a pretty funny move. Given their mentality, it makes sense to move the fifth overall pick for Debrinket. I wouldn't if I was them, but like the state of mind they're in, it makes sense. 
Okay, uh, let's get into the last phases of this episode, and we're going to start by taking a look at some updated betting odds, uh, courtesy of our sponsors, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, We're going to, let's start with the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, So right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning are down two games to nothing. So straight up, the Colorado Avalanche are a minus 600 favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Tampa Bay is a plus 500 underdog. Are you taking Tampa Bay there? at all they've come back down from two nothing once in these playoffs already i don't think the colorado avalanche are anywhere near the new york rangers but they've already done it it's not bad value for something that they have very recently accomplished up to nothing in the cup finals against most other teams i would say oh yeah absolutely you take that team every time you know, it's it's minus 600, so it's not big long shot odds. But at the same time, you're like, you've gone halfway there on the hardest thing to do in hockey. But if you had to pick one team where they're playing against, where you're like, that gives you pause, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning because they've done it twice before. If it was literally any other team in the playoffs that they were playing in the finals, I'll even include the Eastern Conference teams. I would say I would put some money down on that. But since it's the Colorado Avalanche, who did not look like they can lose again, it's very hard to take a bet now. Yeah, we did not mention that Colorado is 14-2 and two in the playoffs right now. That's cool. I mean... Teams don't even do that in the regular season. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well then... Uh- Let's take a look at the Conn Smythe because with Colorado having such a dominant performance, let's that's just what see. you bet on. You bet on the Conn Smythe. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr is a minus one ninety. He's the favorite, but minus yeah. one ninety is like because he's the favorite because he's so obviously the favorite. I take Kale McCarr there without a doubt. You, you, this is one of those bets you got to get in as soon as you can because those odds are only going to get worse as this as it goes on. If Kale McCarr, if the Colorado Avalanche win two more games in any fashion, unless it goes to seven. And like it goes to seven by Tampa Bay winning three straight games and Colorado has to like miraculously pull it out and kill McCarr's awful in every remaining game in the series. That's the only way I see him not winning the con Smythe right now. Yeah. Like McKinnon's behind him at plus three seventy, and I, I can see that happening if he's a hero, but it's Kale McCarr's trophy to give away at this moment. Yeah. Honestly, the play with Kale McCarr might be wait till after game three. If Tampa wins that, maybe his odds drop a little and then you get in. Yeah. That might that might be the play. I don't know. With Murray Sider, it was the earlier you got in, the better. And that's that's my thinking with McCarthy too. Because if Colorado wins Game Three, his odds are gonna be like minus four hundred, probably yeah. or something crazy like that. So, I think the ship has sailed on betting for the Con Smythe. I think you needed to do it before the series started, before things started to sort of settle. Um, I mean, if you had to put wanted to put money down right now, it, it is McCarthy's to lose. You can always have that cup final yolo bet like when o'reilly won it he wasn't really in consideration for the con smythe but he had such a huge cup final against boston that he ended up winning it i'm just saying the way the first two games have went if you think tampa can drag this out to a seven but colorado can still win yolo bet val nachushkin because he's yeah. been oh, money man. the first two games plus 2300 i mean nachushkin's gonna cash out his next contract i know you put like 10 bucks on val nachushkin right now like understanding, like the odds are plus twenty three hundred for a reason. Yeah, but 
it's not the craziest thing in the world because if McCarr has been reasonably quiet in the first two games, like he scored the sixth and seventh goal in a seven nothing win last game, and I think he had one assist in game one. Yeah, if Tampa turns this into a dogfight and Nachushkin continues playing the way he is, maybe. Okay, how do you think the rest? Of- Darren Helm, sorry. Uh, it's Darren, there's no way he's still calculating red-listed. that number. Yeah, Darren Helm's not on there. It would be too automatic. It'd be free money for anyone who bets because obviously he's going to win it. Uh, take a look at the rest of the Stanley Cup Finals. Let me know what you think is going to happen, like sequentially for the rest of the games. Like game three, Tampa wins. Game four, Colorado. Game five, Colorado. Like, how do you think it's going to shake out? I think Tampa takes game three. I think Colorado takes game four. And then I have a hard time envisioning Colorado losing on home ice in game five. That's plus 500. That's the second most likely option. I honestly have no idea. And I feel like I'm going to guess and say it's wrong. Um, the, the way it's gone, it might not be crazy to just say Colorado games three and four. That's, that's, that's what I was about to say. I was like, if, if I'm going to try and not big brain this, let's just say they sweep the finals. That is, uh, that's the favorite. That's plus oh, 270. Oh, what? Yeah. Really? Sweep is the favorite right now at plus 270. Because, man, it was a 7 nothing. win. Okay, then my value bet here is call, uh, Tampa takes game three. Colorado takes game four. Colorado gets complacent on home ice in game five and then bears down for game six. I was going to say, yeah, I can see this going Tampa, Colorado, Tampa, Colorado. Yeah, in six that, games. that seems. That's a plus 1600. And that's. Really? Yeah, that's. Oh, my God. Odds. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They're really bearish on Tampa. Eh? They just got beat 7 nothing. Yeah, but that's Fair. one game. That's worth one game. I know. I know. But that's uh, that's maybe where you find the value. Okay. Uh, let us know what you do if uh, uh, if you're taking a look at that series. And we'll be back uh, almost the end of the season. So almost the end of our uh, little betting odds segments here. Uh, that was one of the last ones. So thank you to the FanDuel Sportsbook for sponsoring that segment. And why don't we get into some overtime questions here, starting with our Patreon supporters. Uh, Patreon.com slash Podcast if you want to join the Dub Dub Club and support the show, especially as we're going through the offseason, especially as we're running into more profiles uh, as we seek to improve the show, keep it going uh, even after the Red Wings are done playing, do things like celebrate Moritz Sider's hopeful impending Calder Trophy win. Uh, that's all thanks to them. So Winged Wheel Podcast, patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast if you want to join the Dub Dub Club. Uh, okay. Hockey Town Racing Academy says, what's the goal of the year from a Red Wing? Like in terms of just crazy goal? It's goal of the year. Oh, man. Uh, there's some candidates. My immediate gut reaction is Bertuzzi clowning Victor Hedman pulling it through his own legs and walking in on ripping on Vasilevsky. First game of the year. Yeah. I mean, I loved, I loved Maurice Sider taking advantage of the space that he got an OT against Buffalo. Yeah. And using was, his reach to put it that up. One. Even yeah. the one T against the Islanders. I don't, in OT, I don't think we talk about enough. Yeah. I mean, there's a serious case in terms of just pure hype for one of Jordan Osterley's clutch goals. <laughs> it's got to be up there. Maybe not the, the goal of the year, but yeah, we're looking at a reality where Jordan Osterley had one of the goals of the year for the Red Wings this season. And, like, they're both, like, yeah, you can make a case. Yeah. yeah, the Red Wings didn't have a ton of, like, the crazy individual skill goals this year, but there was a good amount of hype goals. Lucas Raymond's first, Lucas Raymond's hat-trick, against, hat-trick goal against Chicago. Any one of the goals, like, getting close in the comeback against Toronto that fell just short, everybody was losing their minds at those moments. <laughs> Um, 
Okay, Connor Dukes says happy. Oh, also Hockey Town Racing Academy said congratulations. Thank you very much, and to all of you who said congratulations, thank you. Also to all of you on Twitter, your comments were very kind, and I appreciate you telling me that I had nice nails. Um, that was funny. I, it, the The picture I posted was of the ring on Mel's finger. Oh, okay. I was gonna say because yeah, I didn't. Whenever you posted that tweet, it didn't come up on my timeline yeah. when I was on Twitter. And uh, I don't know. I just. I, we didn't have like we our friend was taking pictures as a photographer but that's he needs time to like edit and send them to us and like, yeah everyone will get the gist and everyone's like i like your nails ryan i'm like thank you they're very i'm very delicate and beautiful um he's <laughs> you're not you're not wrong buddy thank you i appreciate that connor duke says happy father's day who do you think made up the best father-son duo in sports not just hockey in sports oh man I feel like there's a lot in baseball here yeah the one that immediately came to mind was the griffies yes the griffies are like the hallmark of and the fact that they played together and they had that moment where uh junior stole a pop fly away from senior which is hysterical loved it like that was that is like that's the moment you would hope for when your son makes the big leagues with you yeah, exactly yeah um okay this one is from our good friend joseph fournier who's uh, under stay fresh cheese bags says hey there fellas what we do know is that eisman likes high scale and high ceiling players even if they are risks if the consensus top five are picked and then savoy and naser are taken then who would be the next high scale high ceiling player left this is an earnest question i honestly don't know i really get the sense that every other forward is like a third line at best and will end up with a korchinski or matechuk i won't be upset with that though no i i think um for me, the next two that would fall on that list would be um, Kamel and Goche. I, I, those are the two that immediately jump to mind because, like, I can see pretty high ceilings for both of them. I think Lakara Mackey probably deserves to be in that conversation as well. And obviously, we just talked about Lambert having all the tools in the world. We'd be remiss to not mention him. Um, as much as I like Korchinski, Matejchuk, and um minchikov i don't see their ceiling being crazy high like some of these forwards have even though i can see them a reality where they're all very 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 good uh, and well worth an eighth, eighth overall pick but yeah like kamel Kim- and lakaramaki have the potential to be like 30 40 goal scorers goche has the potential to be like a very very good number two center i think i agree with you but i would put minchikov in terms of a high ceiling player i think there's a lot to him the fact that he's a late birthday concerns me. Yeah, yeah. Parents, make sure your kids are early birthdays so Brad leaves them high on his draft rankings. Yeah, I know. I screwed my own son. <laughs> Jake, Mika, Mika's May. That counts, right? Yeah, that's true. Jake Nagy says, uh, if you know Marco Casper would be a career 2C, never a first-line player, but never a bottom six guy either, would you still roll the dice on a guy like Frank Nazer or Matt Savoy or stick with Casper? <sighs> I really like Savoy and Nazer. Like, I really like those two. I'd have a hard time. Like, I get the appeal to Casper, and I think I'm probably selling him short, not including him in those high ceiling guys, because, like, this, there is skill there with Casper. Like, I, I think when people and us and everybody talks about him as like, ah, maybe he doesn't have the highest ceiling, it's like, oh, yeah, well, he's just like a gritty guy. No, he can make plays. He can't do some of the like truly ridiculous things that a Savoy and a Kamel and a Nazer can do. But no, my preference would still lie with a, a Savoy or a Nazer. If Casper is a guarantee, in this hypothetical, if Casper is a guaranteed 2C for his career. But like what level of 2C? Pew Suter's a 2C right now. I'm going to say like 2C, like a, an acceptable 2C. Like Give a, me a name. Give me an NHL player name. I don't know. Like Give me ex- a guy. Say he's a, say he's a 2C on uh, Toronto. 
right now. Yeah. He's John Tavares. He's he's playing. He's a 2C on a playoff team. He's a 2C on a team that is winning a playoff round or two on average. To me, I take that at pick eight every time. Doesn't I don't care about other ceilings. If you can guarantee Ryan that Nugent Hopkins. Line, I'm taking that. Eighth overall, I'm taking it. I don't think you can afford to pass that up if you're the Red Wings. Like we talk about ceilings, but the thing we have to remember is ceilings, you almost never reach it fully. Sometimes you do. Moritz Siders is is a great hallmark that we're looking at all the time of that example. But yeah, if you're guaranteeing Casper could be at the level of a Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I probably do that. But I understanding that I think Nazarin's voice ceiling is higher than that. But that's that's a really good guarantee. <laughs> Mo Dixon Cider oh. says, "Hope you are all having a great summer. Would love to see some golf content on YouTube from you guys." This is absolutely Evan. This is your alt, hundred <laughs> percent. You think I would su- subscribe to our Patreon to to do that? Yeah. Yes, I would not. Um, I made you put your phone away because you were watching golf on silent because oh, it was you thought i put my phone away <laughs> did you that's been in his lap the whole time how have you not picked up on that there was zero percent chance <laughs> who's winning it's over who won matt fitzpatrick congratulations that was not who i wanted to win oh too bad i've uh, never heard of him so good for him they go he on. has braces so <laughs> hell yeah poor guy says uh, i saw a post about a potential trade for leon dry what it's a realistic return the red wings would have to send i saw that trade proposal not that um you're not talking about that trade without multiple of Cider, Raymond, Larkin, Bertuzzi, eighth overall, like multiple of those. Multiple. Ryan's not. Pick pick your the most valuable and the third most valuable out of those, and that's probably what Edmonton's asking. It it almost doesn't make sense. Like no, the trade it, almost doesn't make sense for either team. No, it doesn't. It literally does not make any sense for either team. There are teams that should absolutely try to trade for Leon Dreisaitl. Detroit's not one of them. Understanding how ridiculously good Leon Dreisaitl is. But the Red Wings would have to gut so much of their core for one guy that it's still somehow a step backwards. When's he at UFA? Two, three years? It's not not that long. So that's what you wait for. I'd rate the extra year for McDavid, but... Gingerbeard man says, congrats on your engagement, Ryan. Thank you. Um, says, this one is for all of you. What is the worst trade and free agent signing that the Red Wings have made since you have been a fan? What's the best? Eric Cole. Oh, that, no, there's definitely worse trades than that. I don't know. It's the, the Kyle, Kyle Quincy one yeah. sticking out right now. That's the one that immediately jumps to mind. David Legwan was not good. In terms of signings, I don't know. I think it's for me is... I feel like I, I was way too like this is was the it? guy where I was way too hard on him. But every time they signed Jonathan Erickson, I was like, oh, my God, why are we talking about like an unrestricted free agent that came into Detroit or just the worst contract they signed? Worst contract. Abdulkader. Nobody's close. Abdulkader's was bad. Nobody's close. We're still it's still technically on the books. Yeah. Nobody's close. Thomas to that one. Vanek even really worth doing. I can't even remember what his cap. Yeah, but we, like they, paid, they paid him nothing. That's so what it, I thought. It, I thought it, it was matter. pretty low. Yeah. yeah, that weird like fake slap shot shootout move that yeah. always worked <laughs> it was ridiculous yeah honorable mention to steven weiss as well um okay a guy persons says with abs elite power forward darren helm being a free agent do you think he'd be a good pickup for the wings in the offseason god please no we could use a player with the speed and hitting power like him 
You can't. You don't just cup winners. Don't just grow on trees, guys. <laughs> he was a cup winner when he was in Detroit, man. Multiple cup winners don't always grow on trees. Oh man. Hey, look, I hate it here. He, Darren Helm. Darren Helm. I actually think a league minimum salary fourth line slash thirteen forward. Darren Helm has a spot on these Red Wings. Wouldn't hate it. Love the guy. Would love to see him back in Detroit. It's meaningful for, to the fans. But you have to understand his production is part of the team he's playing on. You take away the he Colorado. He has two goals in these playoffs, doesn't he? Well, they're sick goals, though. Oh, they were. One they was abs- quite clutch. Yeah. Yeah. I don't he, know. He has a habit of that in the playoffs. It's just the problem the Red Wings aren't going to present that opportunity for him. <laughs> yeah. There's there's space for him, but you're another team is going to give him money. There's not really the bottom of the Red Wings lineup is already clogged up clogged up enough as is where they don't need to be bringing in the Darren Helm types. It's not really a of value to the team right now. They let him walk for a reason, but I can't tell you how happy I am to see him succeed. Yeah, very much. Okay, uh, we have to get to the Patreon exclusive. Um, I haven't had an exceptionally long. Uh, weekend so i need to try to find some time to sleep at some point tonight so we're going to wrap up this episode of the winged wheel podcast we are going to be with you uh midweek thank you all so 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 much uh personally for your uh very kind words uh mel and i sincerely appreciate it um doing some free ads here don't kill me evan but frank's in uptown waterloo and um it's where I got crystals, right? Yeah, yeah. They were amazing. The they time. they are really really good. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I was, I'll second that recommendation. I was a blubbering mess through the whole process, and they walked me through it. Not worth telling on air, but I actually got a funny story about that after. Perfect. Uh, and the Walper Hotel and TWH Social helped make it a very special. Oh, you did for, it there? Yeah. Well, no, I didn't. I did it in uh, Victoria Park, and then we went there after, and I had a bunch of friends together to like celebrate, and then we stayed the night at the Walper. We brought Abby because it's not our friendly. invite must have got lost. In the yeah, I got, I, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I could, uh, <laughs> I could scatter. No, um, it, I, I had to make it. Under it's all the, right. I was busy. I sat in my hot tub for two hours by myself. It was, was okay. I was, uh, alone at home watching Jurassic park. <laughs> it was under the guise of, um, celebrating a job, like going permanent my job, which happened like months ago. And it was in the group chat of friends there. So that's how that all got planned. That's a terrible reason, but yeah, that's well, at least it worked she did out. See, she did see through uh-huh, it. Yeah, because, uh, you know, he couldn't have sent us a text message on the side. By the way, be here at this time. Yeah, you know, yeah my schedule is quite full. Yeah, it's okay, though. I really like Jurassic Park. It is one of my favorite movies of all yeah, time. Yeah, my, so. my take-home french fries that I... Uh, Those are good, man. Well, I had to get them again because I <laughs> didn't get to eat them last time. I ate your sandwich. I didn't invite you out. Did you like my... Yeah, you eat my sandwich. <laughs> well, first of all, I left it, which is always my mistake because I leave my takeout everywhere. So you're welcome, but also you're not welcome. Um, yeah, the sandwich is quite good. I'm not a big curry. Um, I literally sauce guy. told you there was curry I know, on it, but it was Evan, it was good Evan, for. Don't let him change the subject. I know. Look at what he's doing. We know what he's doing. <laughs> We'd like to thank these sponsors. Are you describing podcast. to me how good my sandwich was? <laughs> After not inviting house. you to his party, Evan, do you realize what he's doing to you? I think you have full carte blanche and just stand up and hoof him right now. Don't don't hoof me. me with a good time. Don't hoof me. Uh, thank you to all of you, to the uh, sponsors of this podcast, the FanDuel Sportsbook, um, all of our listeners, our name level supporters on Patreon. It's been nice knowing you. They're about to draw and quarter me. Um, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefur, the Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of the number 69 Crying Ryan Hansman and Slam Jamathong. 
Matthew M. Rice, Brandon M., Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Doesn't Tuesnit, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greach, Helm Was Held Back by Blashill, Hassam Al Qasem, I'd Leave My Wife for Cider, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Kalen Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, uh, Matt McKay, Matthew Guess, Nicholas Fritz, Oh My God, Don't Eat That Bread, What Are You a Child? Jesus, Don't Eat Boogers, What the Hell? <laughs> R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Sean Levine, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Zach Spring, Sam Bankson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Adam, Now I Finish Better Than Ernie, Antonio Gracias, uh, Babe Landiscog, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Evans Socktan, Evans Parking Garage, Evans Bingo Card, James Laporte, uh, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, um, J.M. Rhapsody, Josh Yelton, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S, Maximilian Cheesebags, our new corporate sponsor whose product is near is dear to my heart. They're called the Hair Club for Men and they do God's work. Read. <laughs> Papa Woody, Puck Norris, Revy DeLuca, Trevor Pevavar. Why, Ryan? Why? Zach McCann, a driving range superstar, and Z Grass is always greener. Thank you all so much, uh, and we will see you midweek. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.